This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Every new year, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy can also help you build on what's working by helping you find your strengths so that you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. I know firsthand how helpful it can be to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. Therapy isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress that you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Curiosities today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Curiosities. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. It was just another day for Clara. She was at her desk when the assignment came in with the most basic instructions. For a while, she stared at the objects before her. Working with a model of molecules, she twirled the pieces in her hand. She connected and disconnected them, going over the chemistry project again and again. Those who knew her often said that when she set her mind to something, she was determined to see it through to the end. It took a little time, but then everything just sort of clicked into place. Clara put the model together and reviewed her work. Not only had she finished her assignment, but she felt pretty sure that she might have just discovered something new. To verify her results, she handed the model over to Kenneth Boner, an employee at Border Star in Kansas City, Missouri, and waited patiently for his opinion. Had she come up with a new scientific discovery? Although he'd given her the assignment, he wasn't a chemistry expert. Kenneth snapped some photos on his cell phone and sent them to Professor Robert Zollner, a friend of his working at Humboldt State University in California. And then Clara and Kenneth waited. Robert stared at the photos on his phone. Usually, he could tell right away if a new molecule was the real deal or not, but this time, he had to take another look. He had never seen anything quite like it. Intrigued, he ran one of the photos through an online chemistry database. After an exhaustive search through literature dating back to 1904, the software came back with something he never expected. Although Clara's molecule that contained carbon, nitrogen, and oxygen didn't exist in nature, it was something very real. It shared a formula with another finding, except the atoms had a different arrangement. The reports show that atoms between the two discoveries had similarities, namely nitroglycerin. Essentially, Clara had created a molecule capable of creating an explosion. And while that sounds simple enough, it also showed promise for storing energy. In theory, it could do both. No one at the university was sure of which and to what degree. Robert published a paper in Computational and Theoretical Chemistry on the breakthrough with Clara and Kenneth as his co-authors. They call the molecule tetra-nitra-toxicarbon, and if you think that's a mouthful, my friend, that is the short name for it. 
the trio is still unsure of how the scientific community will respond or what the discovery might be used for in the future. But Clara was ecstatic and kidded that she had never expected to be published as an author at that point in her life. Given the circumstances, the press couldn't wait to interview Clara. The attention didn't seem to face her, though. She suggested to the journalist that maybe she could sell the idea to the military. Outside of the government, it also might be of interest to scientists searching for new ways to store energy. Meanwhile, Clara has a renewed love of chemistry and biology. Even her peers seem more interested. Back at the university, Robert hopes that his co-author will inspire young girls to become scientists. He admits that he's never co-authored with anyone like Clara before. And to Kenneth, nothing makes him happier. It's unclear if the interviewer asked what was next for the talented inventor, but I can imagine her response. Graduation. Not college or high school. We're talking middle school here. You see, Kenneth is a teacher at the Border Star Montessori School in Kansas. And at the time of her explosive discovery, his student, Clara Lazen, was just 10 years old. Mind blown. I guess you could say that when it comes to science, Clara is in her element. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. In the 1170s BCE, the world was ending. The Late Bronze Age was a great moment for humanity with an explosion of trade, agriculture, technology, and in less than a century, it was all gone. It was like something out of an apocalypse movie. Cities left totally abandoned and crumbling, farmlands burned to ash, and the remnants of battles between the inhabitants and some mysterious foe. For years, 
historians have debated the cause of such a massive and widespread collapse of civilization. Some believe that there were natural explanations like earthquakes or climate change, which could have caused drought and famine. Natural disasters would, of course, lead to internal instability that could spread far and wide. Maybe that's what happened to the near-mythical Sea Peoples. We have no idea where they came from or why they took up raiding. Maybe it was a grudge. Maybe it was sheer desperation. Or maybe it was jealousy that brought the Sea People to Egypt's shores time and time again. When the collapse began in the 1170s, heralded by a solar eclipse, if you can believe it, plenty of civilizations crumbled, yet Egypt endured. It was hardly a comfortable position to be in, especially given the frequent raids by the Sea Peoples. Ramsay III has gone down in history as the last good pharaoh of the New Kingdom, and a lot of that was likely due to his defeat of the Sea Peoples and an end to their reign of terror. Still, casualties were heavy on both sides. This loss of life, combined with a diminished harvest and fewer viable trade routes, was steadily tanking their economy. This was hardly the time for a grand tour, but Ramses III was determined to raise Egypt back up to their former glory. That kind of ambition took money and resources, and Egypt was kind of flacking in both at the moment. Ramses' attempts to raise those funds were unsuccessful. The country was in a deep pit following the wars with the Sea Peoples, and corrupt officials siphoning the money away couldn't have helped. The coffers remained relatively bare when, in 1159 BCE, wages for tomb builders and artisans, Egypt's most important laborers, arrived a month late. In a time when money and food were stretched thin, you would think that officials would have been falling all over themselves to correct the problem. And to be fair, there was a distribution of grain, but nothing was fixed. Essentially, what the officials gave them amounted to a modern office pizza party. Officials had bigger things on their mind at the time, namely a huge celebration that was being thrown in honor of Ramses III's 30 years on the throne. The grand festival was eating up labor, time, and money. And once again, a month later, wages were delayed. The workers waited 18 days for their pay to be delivered, and when the officials weren't forthcoming with coin or information, they threw down their tools and marched towards the city, shouting, We are hungry. It was the first recorded strike in history. They assembled at Ramses III's mortuary temple, agitated and calling for their wages. The officials were flabbergasted. According to their religious beliefs, anyone from the pharaoh to a peasant had a place in the universe that they could never rise or fall from. A strike totally violated those principles, and they didn't know what to do. After deliberating for some time, officials had an airtight plan. Pastries, which were delivered to the furious workers. After all, they were hungry. Unsurprisingly, the workers weren't persuaded and marched on to the grain storehouses in Thebes. When they broke in, police were summoned and the chief demanded the workers return to their posts. The laborers, though, refused. The chief, baffled, shrugged over the lack of results and abandoned the officials to handle the situation. Negotiations were about to begin. Officials forked over the back pay to the workers, who then dispersed, but no sooner had they reached their village than word arrived that their next wages were not coming. Once again, they went on strike, but this time they took it a step further and blockaded access to the Valley of the Kings. In a culture that so revered death, offerings were incredibly important, so this was a devastating measure. They meant business and stood their ground when officials arrived with armed guards. When threatened, the strikers threatened to damage the royal tombs. Both sides had reached an impasse. This strike could have brought down the pharaoh himself, 
According to their order of the universe, the pharaoh was supposed to take care of their people, and if he wasn't, then what good was he? The strike lasted for three years, off and on. Finally, though, officials reached out to a vizier for help, but they might not have told him the whole story. The strike didn't really reflect well on them, and there was a possibility that they could be executed for failing to do their duty. Negotiations began, pay was distributed, the laborers abandoned their strike camps and returned home, and the Jubilee went off without a hitch in 1156 BCE. A party would help anyone forget their daily woes. But the shadow of the strike lingered, and it was only the first. One big event in the deep mists of time, reminding all of us that we're stronger together. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.